politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, culture, you name it. It is all on the line here as it is every day, uh, Thursday, the 22nd of February. And this is sort of our little CPAC. See, we have a CPAC every day, except we have the sort of CPAC that the left has. You know, the one that actually tries to focus on what matters and the way it matters, not just abstract, feel-good rhetoric, get-together, you know, bunch of uh, teeny boppers hooking up. I'm not saying everyone does it there, but, you know, almost like indistinguishable from leftist culture at these stupid confabs. Have you ever wondered why the left doesn't have LPAC? You know, liberal PAC. They don't have such a gathering, not 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 anything that this is considered like the go-to event. And look, I, I don't begrudge anyone for going. You know, they want to network with people. That's fine. I haven't gone in, in 11, 12 years or so. Um, but we we do the LPAC, but they don't have an LPAC, but they kind of do have one. You see, the liberal pack is in every county, every city, every state, and every federal government, every agency of every executive branch, every committee of every legislative branch, they focus on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. You know, we had even yesterday a guest from uh, Missouri, you know, and that this is a state you're talking about where Democrats are just, uh, they, they, they can't even get off the ground, right? I mean, Democrats, uh, you know, they, they lose 15 to 20 points statewide. Yet still, they find ways through ballot initiatives to get their stuff in. That's what we don't have, but that's what we're trying to replicate here at CR Podcast. So I'm going to go through today what a real CPAC looks like, what we should focus on. And, you know, I want to start off with the latest vaccine news, but tie into broadly medical freedom fight. We underwent you know, really the worst tyranny, worst genocide in our history. If you just look at the amount of people killed by the vaccines, lives, economy destroyed. Remember, I mean, there's a lot of news out that the notion that inflation was waning was all false. It's still going up. That is all because of everything we did then. In most red states, I can't even get a fraction of the bills past one house that we need to do on the lockdown and emergency powers and masking, much less getting into the vaccines. And again, it's bizarre that no matter how much information comes out, and I'm going to give you some of it now, it doesn't move the needle. Even though the public would largely be on board with these propositions. And the answer is because we get together at these confabs and just focus on nonsense or abstract, oh, the left is horrible, while we have the specific leverage points that will affect the results of those very broad themes that you uh, you know, conference about, and you completely ignore them. And that's the story of our lives. That's the story of the fake conservative movement. So we're going to go around the horn a little bit on some of the issues and what we need to be doing obviously culminating with the budget bill. Let's first go through some of the news. 
I want to start out with a quote on the vaccines from Rachel Maddow, one of the most prominent left-wing talk show hosts on MSNBC. Quote, if you are a, and she just put this out last week, if you are vaccine injured, please keep quiet so as not to undermine vaccine confidence and give more material to anti-vaxxers. I mean, I thought that was an amazing quote to describe the left, how much they believe in this as a religious sacrifice, as a malok. She's she's not making fun of it like saying, oh, you're imagining it. She's recognizing it exists. But keep quiet about it. Suffer in, in, in uh, solitude because we don't want to undermine the agenda. That is how committed they are to their agenda. Now, Newton's laws of political motion would dictate that in order to just match that intensity, you have to have an equal and opposing force. We don't have that. If you understand, Ethical Skeptic has an estimate out. His latest numbers are estimating roughly 706,000 Americans died from the vaccine. And it's, it's at least that, because if you extrapolate that globally, now it's hard to extrapolate. I'm, I'm extrapolating the number of people that got the vaccine in the U.S. versus the world. Now, you have to look, drill down into the doses, really. So, you know, it's, it's not exact, but that would extrapolate to about four, 14.7 million vaccine deaths globally, which comes close to the ballpark of the Rancourt study of 17 million. Again, I didn't look at the actual doses. But uh, to think that this happened and we are nowhere closer beyond Florida three years later and certainly two years after we had all this information towards doing anything with it, towards getting the Republican Party to adopt anything on this as they continue to roll out the RSV shots. Obviously, a lot of you might have heard recently the largest COVID vaccine study ever, observational study of 99 million people, and looked at um, you know safety signals for a bunch of things that clearly we know are going on. And they found it was an international coalition from 13 different countries, 12 different countries. And they basically found... No, I'm sorry, eight countries, but 13 medical conditions. They found increases in neurological, blood and heart disorders, myocarditis, pericarditis, Guillain-Barre, and cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. You know, from various shots, whether it's Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca. They also found that including nerve a nerve-wasting condition that leaves people struggling to walk or think. Acute disseminated uh, encephalomyelitis, a rare brain and spine spinal cord inflammation, um, showed some sort of a signal. Transverse uh, transverse myelitis, that spinal cord inflammation, Bell's palsy, seizures even showed up. And uh, it was published on Elsevier, if you want to look it up. If you want one thing that shows the largest sample size, COVID-19 vaccines and adverse events of special interest, a multinational global vaccine data network cohort study of 99 million vaccinated individuals. The lead author is Faxova of the Department of Epidemiology Research at Staten's Serum Institute in Copenhagen. 
And, you know, so Bloomberg, when they report on other media saying it's a small increase. But here's the deal. That's relative to the 99 million sample base, meaning the prevalence among those people is relatively low. But in terms of the deviation from the trend, which is how you typically compare it, depending on the items, we're looking at 20 to 70% increases across multiple death causes. So there you have it. They view that as a small thing, but that is right there. If you're looking for one resource to send to people, that that's it. As Ethical Skeptic notes, that ranges from 4 to 25, 25 sigma event of how unlikely that is to be by chance. Dr. William Makis, we've had him on many times. He's a cancer researcher, oncologist in Canada. He said that the COVID injection is going to blow wide open. There's going to be one or multiple events that are going to blow the excess death situation wide open this year. Um, you know, he believes that it's getting worse because of the long-term effects. We'll find that out. We now know it it goes on to the next generation. Peer-reviewed pre-proof from NYU researchers published in the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. They basically injected two pregnant women with the poison. And they followed them up and they found that the mRNA penetrate the fetal placental barriers, reach inside the uterus, which we knew this. Additionally, researchers detected spike protein in placental tissue, indicating the bioactivity of the mRNA in reaching the placenta. The study's corresponding author, who is a um, neonatologist, Dr. Nazi Hanna, told the Epic Times that she believes that introducing mRNA to the fetus may pose potentially plausible risks, but may also yield biologically plausible benefits. <laughs> That, that, that's the way they have to couch it now. So on the one hand, they are sick and demonic. They're like, oh, this is not a problem. But on the other hand, we cannot find our hands and legs. I'm speaking with uh, friends of mine in legislatures across every red state. And again, whether it's emergency powers, whether it's mass mandates, vaccine mandates, taking the COVID shots off the market, we can't, we can't get anything. UK Telegraph. Analysis from the British Heart Foundation shows that the heart care waiting list now stands at 405,960 in England compared to 203,000 in February 2021, just three years ago. Notice the benchmark, not 2020, COVID, but February 2021, it doubled since the vaccines came out. They blame it on a rise in obesity, but as we well know, obesity has been a very long-term gradual trend. That will never, you know, those are your 6% increases, 8% increases. It can't exp explain a 100% increase in three years. Makes no sense. Now, folks, very apropos for our sponsor today, as they are poisoning our bodies, our minds, our souls. Who knows what it is, a food, the, the fluoride in the water now we know is a problem. I mean, it's everything. Well, just know that the soap that goes in your body, whatever goes in your skin goes in your body. A lot of it's pro-inflammatory, a lot of it's junk. How about if I told you we have soap 
both for your, you know, shampoo, your body, but also laundry soap now that is healthy as natural coconut and palm oils. It smells amazing. Feels amazing on the body and you'd be supporting one of our own listeners, Blaze subscribing family in Florida, the Pittman family, Quinn Pittman at just 16 years old, is an entrepreneur. He has his own goats and goat's mill, and he makes goat's soap, all natural. If you go to qpgoatsoap.com, use promo code Daniel, you get 10% off your order today. Free shipping on anything over 50. So, you know, you go and get a year's supply of soap um, and their uh, detergent. So basically, if you buy their detergent, it takes about a tablespoon per load and one of the you get their 25 ounce bag you'll get about 90 loads from that so that amazing smell a lot of you have reported back to me you love in the shower you could wear it on your clothes all day at qpgoatsoap.com promo code daniel so folks this is where we are with covid now you would think oh my gosh we would immediately have legislation with liability holding them accountable nothing Not only aren't they held accountable, not only is the South Carolina Department of Health saying they looked at the safety profile and it's amazing and we're recommending boosters for 2024 for all kids above six months of age, but they have the RSV shots. We get to reward them with new shots. Did you know that if you look on the label of the Pfizer Shots and Brisvo, A B R Y S V O. These retarded names on the insert label. See now, now they're just trolling us. Here's what they say: the RSV pre F A and RSV pre F B recombinant proteins. Those are the proteins they use. Are expressed in genetically engineered. Are you ready for this? Chinese hamster ovary cell lines. Are they just trolling us now? Each dose may also contain residual amounts of host cell proteins and DNA of total protein from the manufacturing process. I mean, this is on the label. So uh, those of you who enjoyed the COVID shots... uh, Here's your RSV shot. And by the way, what Pfizer is so brilliant about is that they know that the COVID shots are blowing up safety signals on every corner of the body, every sort of malady and injury imaginable. So they figure, hey, go big or go home. Now is the time to go and screw us with the RSV shots because they'll be ensconced in the COVID signal. No one will be able to tell which one is which. That's how evil and insidious this is. Truly, truly unbelievable. Truly unbelievable. But that leads me to actually doing something about it. How is it that we don't have an effort to defund these things in the budget bill? See, if we had a real um, CPAC, like the Democrats have a CPAC, We would have a different sort of CPAC. Again, not a conference. But we would have a movement in place shaming, shaming Republicans into, as soon as they get back, they're not going to get back to Wednesday. The the first budget deadline is 
Friday night. Okay, a week from Friday night. Now, it's only, it's gradual. It's only for the first week, the deadline is only for, gosh, the energy department, veterans affair, military construction, and I'm forgetting which other ones. It's, it's, it's four out of the 12 bills expire then, and then the rest expire a week later on Friday night. This is our time to finally take winning issues that we all agree we're winning on and shove it down their throat. So I'm going to come out with an article I'm going to pass around to members of Congress, so I'm going to write this down, but I'm going to give it over to you now. We're basically, it's the six evil eyes, the six evil eyes to defund invasion, inflation, inquisition, injections, indoctrination, and Islamicization. All winning issues. Obviously, invasion. That's the number one, the border. How much more information do we need to hear? We have literally, what are we up to? 20,000 known Chinese coming in the border just the first uh, four months or so of the year. I mean, just that issue alone, the fiscal effects, the, the national security, social, education. The public knows about this. Is it this hard for the Republicans to simply pass a bill and pass it on Wednesday when they come back, unite the conference? I'm going to give you my ideas, but I think everyone you could rally behind the first one, which is the border. We will not fund it any budget that doesn't contain. Well, so you pass a budget, but it contains this rider. HR2 defunds catch and release, defunds the NGOs facilitating the invasion, defunds the CBP1 app, all this stuff, and don't move off of it. They should come back early from their stupid vacation and command respect, command, command the bully pulpit on this. This is what a real movement would do. Rather than focusing on Hunter Biden all the time or the impeachment, which is going to go nowhere, this is where the rubber meets the road because they cannot pass a budget without this. And, and you would be having a shutdown fight against a guy that is now proven comatose, a guy that is on the hook for so many unpopular issues. And this is how I would phrase it. Invasion is one. Next thing is inflation. The cost of living destroying our energy. This is the time you defund the, what they call the Inflation Reduction Act, the Green New Deal. We have so many tailwinds at our backs. By the way, CBO now, as we knew they would, they updated the fiscal cost of that stupid bill. It's $466 billion higher than they thought, and of course it's going to go even higher than that, um, as I predicted at the time. The electric vehicle market is crashing. We could defund all of this garbage tomorrow. Again, Ultimately, what you negotiate for in the end, you could you know give and take, but this would be your opening bill. So invasion, inflation, inquisition. Republicans will never get a better opportunity to defund the weaponization, the persecution against the regime's political opponents. Now that we have a special counsel report that says, that openly demonstrates the two-tier justice, that openly shows that basically we're not going to indict Biden 
for the very same thing you're indicting Trump on because he's insane. They should use this as an opportunity to demand that charges against Trump be defunded in addition to nonviolent J6 defendants and would include Chip Roy's bill defunding the FACE Act. That's the bill they used to, the law they used to prosecute people singing outside of uh, abortion clinics. This portion of the bill should also include the House Judiciary Committee's reform to FISA 702. I mean, they have so many anecdotes that they could point to. You know, we talked about just the guy, um, what is this? Uh, that guy, Jackson Green, that didn't serve a day in prison after two times, one time glitter bombing a National Art Gallery exhibit of the black soldiers in World War One, or World War Two, maybe. And another one, no, 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 it was a civil war, I'm sorry. And another one, glitter bombing the, the display of the Constitution. Juxtapose that. By the way, I'm finding out an interesting thing. So just, you're, you're, you're really going to appreciate it, how amazing and committed the left is to their views. So one of the biggest religions of the left is jailbreak, right? And they, they pushed for the first step back. They got Trump to support it. And retroactive release, early release, 30%, as much as 30, 40% of their prison sentencing uh, for these gangbangers, big drug traffickers, you know, the worst of the worst in, in places like Chicago, they were released. But the left knows how to turn on and off the spigot. Is it that the left believes in reduced sentencing? No. The left believes in their outcomes. So when it comes to January Sixers, I, I have a friend of mine who's a lawyer for a lot of these guys. And he says that they're, they've made a categorical rule denying January 6th defendants of all these early release programs under the First Step Act for J6. And all these schmucks on House Judiciary that, that voted for it or are pushing the First Step Act, none of them are calling up the Bureau of Prisons and saying, how dare you not apply it evenly to J6ers. But that, that, that's just a side point. But my point is, you will never get a better time where they basically say Biden is, is as guilty as sin, but the only saving grace is that he's insane. Use that to defund the Inquisition. Next thing are the injections. Like we said, you will never get better tailwinds with all the information on the DNA contamination on using different vials to the public that you used in the clinical trial. You obviously have all the studies now coming out that it transfers to placenta to the um, mother's milk. You will never get better tailwinds to defund it. And defund all mRNA while you're at it. The next I, indoctrination. Okay? Um, look, after every major shooting, we talked about this, Democrats are prepared to promote gun control. Yet with the growing trend of mass shootings committed by trannies, Republicans are not demanding action. We do something. Well, now's the time to do it. According to CDC, one in four high schoolers identify as a sexual behavior that will not result in procreation, but is at a higher risk to commit violence. Republicans must bar funding for any HHS program funding transgenderism or any education program teaching gender studies and any indulgence of the sexual ideology, either in domestic or State Department promoting it. 
And obviously, they have to defund this new Title IX mandate that states accommodate gender dysphoria in the school bathrooms, meaning letting you know the opposite gender into the bathroom. Next thing is Islamicization. This is this is an easy win. You know, Republicans are creating this false choice of either, you know, you support Hamas like the Biden administration or you just give Israel endless aid at a time when we're broke. How about defund all of the policies that are harming Israel and America? Defund the UN, defund the Palestinians, defund Gaza aid, defund any State Department diplomatic mission to, uh, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, is two-state solution. Defund the Lebanese armed forces. Defund Biden's sanctions on residents of Judea and Samaria. And then, of course, defund the Iran deal. So that's a way of finessing the proper foreign policy, issuing this false dichotomy of you're either, you know, a dove or you're, you know, you're you're you know sending all this sort of money and foreign aid. Here you actually could defund bad policies and staying strong. We're gonna talk a little bit more about foreign policy tomorrow. And that's what that's where we're at. Invasion, inflation, inquisition, injections, indoctrination. Islamicization. And here, here's, here's the important point that a lot of people aren't talking about. Republicans actually have one point of leverage, thanks to Thomas Massey. Look, a lot of people were upset about him for voting against the voting for the um debt ceiling deal. And on net, I still believe it wasn't worth it, but we've suffered all, all of the liabilities. Now we're about to get the one saving grace of it that is you know, Massey put in there, and because of that provision, he felt compelled to vote for the whole thing. Not defending it, I'm just saying this is where we're at. So basically, we now have, we don't have to pass a new law. It's built into law. Come April 30th, if they fail to pass a full budget bill, meaning either you pass nothing, or if you pass a continuing resolution, meaning rather than rebuilding a new budget for the remainder of fiscal year 2024 through September 30th, if you just have a continuing resolution for the a part or the remainder of the current fiscal year, it triggers an automatic 1% cut of the current accounts. And, and it would actually disproportionately affect non-defense. So it's a really good leverage point to hold over these guys. You'll never get a better leverage point You'll never get a weaker opponent as president, and you'll never get better issues. Can, polls consistently show that Republicans are favored on these issues, but they continue to lose elections. A lot of that's a ground game. A lot of that's Trump's persona. But if you would be able to isolate a fight, not over a persona, but over these issues, and a government shutdown is the best way to focus this, you would be able to win. And also... And 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 um, the Freedom Caucus is finally getting on the same page about their demands. They don't have all my demands. They have some of them. They have some other demands as well that I don't have on my list. But that's that's fine. We just need to win on a few of them. So they have this automatic one percent cut. They're 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 doing what I advised all along, rather than focusing on spending levels. 
just here, here's what they're saying to do. Pass a CR. Okay. Continuing resolution. So it would trigger an automatic 1% cut and then have the focus on not so much on the spending levels. You'll get the automatic 1% cut. Again, again, it's not what we want. We would want a 20% cut. But focus more on the policy, not on the spending levels. Okay? That's where we're going to unite and leverage the automatic 1% cuts against the policies. All right, well, you don't want the 1% cut? Okay, maybe we'll negotiate with you on that. But you're, you're going to give us the policy riders. But that requires Republicans to unify next week. Really, they should come back this week and pass an affirmative bill funding government, albeit not these things, continuing resolution, meaning don't do a new budget because then it won't trigger this. So here's their list. Again, it's not all mine, but you know, I give you my list. This is their list. Prohibit funding for a CBP-1 app. Reduce Homeland Security, um, you know, uh, Mayorkas's, uh salary to zero. Defund the Pentagon's illegal abortion travel fund. Prohibit funding for the implementation of gun registries and red flag laws. Defund ATF rules on pistol braces. Um, defund gender transition surgeries. Uh, you know, by you know, pay for by taxpayers. Block attempts to Biden's attempts to dismantle, demolish, remove, or damage existing border wall. Block Biden's attempts to uh, um, or defund the Green New Deal and the climate change action, such as the EPA electric vehicle mandate, the DOT's CAFE standards, EPA's anti-power plant rules, and each of the president's radical climate executive orders. Prohibit funding for DEI. Um, by the way, on that note, do you know Republicans couldn't even they they refused to get rid of the D. EI office in the, their own house building. You don't even need bicameral legislation signed by the president. They could just do this with house rules. This is the speaker controls this. A friend of mine who was a for, you know a listener to this show is a former staffer um, on, on one of the committees. He sent to me, he spoke with a staffer and he said conservatives tried to eliminate the house DI office at the beginning of this session. Um, but leadership refused. You know, and they, they just felt it wasn't r- worth fighting at the time. So now they can only get it out either by a House vote to change the rules or by defunding it. Now, the House legislative branch appropriation bill did contain that provision, but they knew that it wouldn't go anywhere. The point is they could do, they could have done this in the rules, but this is how pathetic they are. But anyway, defunds DI, defunds gain, gain of function, prohibits rules requiring boys to be allowed to compete against girls and women's sports and prohibits federal funding for schools that allow men to participate in female sports, defunds um, the WHO, the United Nations Population Fund, and United Nations Human Rights Council, World Economic Forum, eliminates funding for anti-Israel UNRWA that funds Hamas, prohibits purchases of American farmland by China, prohibits funding of Biden's student loan bailout scheme, prohibits the Justice Department from censoring lawful speech or conducting politically sensitive investigations until the agency establishes policies requiring nonpartisan staff to oversee the investigations, defunds policies and memorandums limiting ICE and CBP enforcement while expanding illegal immigration, prevents billions of dollars from being used to construct a new Pentagon-sized headquarters for the FBI, 
halts Biden's absurd, destructive bans on gas stoves and other appliances, defunds Planned Parenthood, and prohibits funding for vaccine and mask mandates across government. Again, I would rather they go a step further, defund the vaccines itself. Has a lot of my items, not all of them. It has some new ones. Think about this. Most of those items are winning issues. Others are maybe more 50-50, abortion stuff, okay? But pick some of them. Why don't we have Trump demanding that they do this, calling the play? Why don't we have his movement focused on this? This is where all the leverage is. We've talked a lot about states, and they still need to be doing that. State legislatures, it's down the ballot primaries, it's the federal budget bill. That is our CPAC. That should be our CPAC. And that's why the left doesn't have a CPAC. Because this is what they do all the time. This is what they focus on all the time. Okay? They don't need a CPAC. They're constantly making these play calls. So we speak about things in the abstract. Oh, the woke, the this, the DI, critical race theory, funding abortion, the weaponization, the border inflation, but then there's very few things in politics that it boils down to where you have focused leverage to affect those outcomes. And and we're completely MIA. Nothing. Nothing going on. Completely MIA. It's just so bizarre. And by the way, we have the same problem on a state level. We have still not gone anywhere in most red states. In fact, we have to still swat down efforts to make it worse. We just had a bill pass out of the South Carolina Senate. Senate Bill 915. So it basically creates a new Department of Health. Now... What they're trying to say is right now their Department of Health almost works autonomously. It's not in the governor's cabinet. The governor does pick the director, but it kind of operates autonomously. So we all agree it needs to be reined in. But it's not so much the structure, it's the authority. So once you're restructuring it under the auspices of the governor, now you need to make sure that this is your opportunity to denude it of all authority to do what, you know, all the things it did. You can never do lockdowns. You can never do mass mandates. You can never shut down businesses. You can never mandate vaccines. You can't declare a public health emergency without the support of the legislature. But instead, as it creates this new office, it has a provision in the bill. Here's what it says. This is a new bill after four years of evidence, what we've seen from COVID. This is South Carolina. I forget, you know, two to one, three to one majority in the Senate. All but one member voted for this. All sheriffs and constables in the several counties of this, of, of this state and police officers and health officers, health officers of cities and towns must aid and assist the director of the Department of Public Health and Environment Control, DHEC, and must carry out and obey his orders or those of the Department of Public Health and Environmental Control to enforce and carry out any and all restrictive measures and quarantine regulations that may be prescribed. During a state of public health emergency, the director may request assistance in enforcing orders issued pursuant to the chapter. 
from the public safety authority, um, other state law enforcement, local law enforcement, public safety authority may request assistance from the South Carolina National Guard in enforcing orders. I mean, could you imagine that we have the Fourth Reich and we need to defang the Fourth Reich? Four years into all the evidence of the malfeasance of this, scientifically, legally, you name it, and their response is to create a new bill taking everything we don't like, codifying it, and making it abundantly clear that we're going to require sheriffs and local law enforcement and the state guard to be marshaled into that enforcement. And it just passed the South Carolina legislature almost unanimously. Now, uh, thank God we have the South Carolina House Freedom Caucus and they're going to you know, block this or try to hijack it for our purposes and put all of our provisions in it. And I was dealing with that this morning. But, you know, we don't have enough people in the South Carolina Senate to hold this up. It, it, it just, it boggles the mind. And by the way, speaking of red states, South, South Dakota, you know, we, we talked about it earlier this week, this week, SB 201, that denudes local authorities of the ability to block a carbon capture pipeline. The bill passed the Senate. 2311. 20. Three eleven. Okay, so um, that means that more than half the Republicans is a good. There are only two Democrats in the entire chamber. About two thirds of the Republicans voted to strip local authority of the ability to block a, a, a agenda twenty thirty carbon capture pipeline and steal their property for it. And by the way, these are the same members that three years ago, two and three years ago, blocked a bill to denude local authorities of the power to violate your right to breathe. Okay, so so the, so a local government has the right to crush the most fundamental human rights but they don't have the right to protect property rights from Agenda 2030 Green New Deal. Again, this is what happens when your CPAC is a teeny bopper confab and not a legal policy political movement to use whatever power and influence you have to make the right choices in primaries, in legislation, in budget, red states, Congress. Imagine if every organization and talk show would be in line with CR Podcast. So in some way. Well, you, you, you need not imagine that. That's called the Democrat Party. That's called the left-wing Marxist movement. And that's why they don't have a CPAC, because they don't need one. And frankly, it's a distraction to their agenda. But remember, why do you think you have all this stuff going on in red states? Because they have a 50-state program. Any place where they control lock, stock, and barrel. Any red state, what they do is, they know the Democrat brand doesn't sell with the people. So all the industries, what they do is they just fund in the primaries. They fund people as Republicans that will advance the same agenda. And they're largely succeeding. And again, I, I, I must say, they are succeeding with Trump's support. They are succeeding with his support. 
you know, I got some email feedback from people from, I talked about California 20, where Trump endorsed Kevin McCarthy's hand-picked rhino. I want you to think about this. Kevin McCarthy, like an idiot, we have a very narrow majority. So he, you know, takes his ball and goes home, quits mid-session. So we lose another seat. And then now he has the right to pick his, you know, Trump should have said, wait a minute, you lost the seat for us. I'm going to endorse against your guy. So, you know, this sheriff, and, you know, again, he's invited on the show. The sheriff was evidently getting a lot of grassroots support, some endorsements, even from a state senator in the district. And Trump comes in and carpet bombs him and endorses McCarthy's rhino. Needlessly. By the way, so something happened yesterday. I'd be remiss not to mention. <laughs> NBC is reporting that DeSantis was on a <clears throat> a conference call with his supporters. And he talked about Trump's VP pick. And here's what he said. Look, we have a diverse Republican Party. I want everybody in the fold. Don't get me wrong. But I don't want people representing 10-15% of the party, meaning the rhinos, being in the driver's seat. DeSantis said on the call with supporters, including those who had committed to serving as delegates for him at the RNC. So I would want somebody that if something happened, meaning a VP pick, if something happened to Trump, the people that voted us in would have been pleased to know that they're going to continue the mission. I'm not sure that those are going to necessarily be the criteria Trump uses. I have heard that they're looking more into identity politics. I think that's a mistake. I think you should just focus on who the best person for the job would be and then do that accordingly. Now, nobody could argue with what he's saying. He's gently prodding Trump and saying, look, pick one of your supporters. Okay, is that too much to ask? Don't pick a Tim Scott that's just for identity or a female that's for identity. Elise Stefanik, Christy Nome. Pick someone who's more in line with, you know, let's say maybe closer to a J.D. Vance. I'm not saying I agree with J.D. on everything. think he's the end all. But, you know, okay, that's at least supported by the MAGA movement. That's all he's saying. So the Trump people, they put out their spokes, the official spokesman of the campaign, this bimbo 25-year-old from New Hampshire that lost a competitive seat by a million points and somehow is now, you know, you know was, was, you know, in diapers when we were starting this movement now is somehow the lead spokesman for him. I mean, these are the type of people he gets. And then his establishment uh, campaign manager, Chris Lissavita, a Bush uh, guy, they start personal attacks. Oh, this, the guy who eats pudding with his fingers, you know, they plant a, 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 a libel against him, make it up and then they work with it, but they can never answer the substance of what he's saying. If you're Charlie Kirk, if you're Dan Bongino, if you're Steve Bannon, okay, th th these are friends, friends of mine, okay? I've been friends with Dan forever. You know, I've been friends. Steve Bannon has said, you know, to quote Trump, has said nice things about me. I don't understand you guys. Shouldn't you applaud DeSantis's concern? Shouldn't you be saying, like, look, there, there's a strong likelihood a VP would be picked? And also, even if a VP is not picked, and Trump goes on to either be president or he loses, that guy is now next in line. So do we really want Tim Scott to be elevated? Is that too much to ask? This is the problem. They don't use their influence, and you could tell. Either you're not making the call or you don't have the influence that you think you have, and there, that in itself is a problem and really works against the rationale for you having supported him in the primary.
when we had another option. You know, everyone's like, no, Daniel, he's the MAGA. Shut up. DeSantis is a rhino. Okay, well, if DeSantis is a rhino, then boy, your guy must really, really be hardcore. So shouldn't we not even have to worry about these picks? You know, DeSantis went on to talk a little bit about his concern about personnel picks, and and it's well-founded. This is the thing. They get all prickly. But rather than defending it, raise your concern. But it's all the razzle-dazzle. It's all the razzle-dazzle. Trump wants to campaign in New York City. I mean, this is the thing. Rather than working ballot harvesting in Maricopa, in Gwinnett, in Cobb, in Georgia, in, uh, you know, the Wow counties in, you know, around uh, the colors around uh, Milwaukee and Dane County and uh, wherever Green Bay. Green Bay is kind of like the battleground of or one of the battlegrounds of Wisconsin. Bucks County, Pennsylvania, Erie County, Pennsylvania, the Scranton area, Harrisburg area, York County. He's focused on this brand building. But everyone's telling me, shut up, Daniel. Don't fight the budget. Don't fight down ballot. In fact, have Trump endorse bad guys. Don't fight in the states where you have power. It's all the presidential election. Shut up. You're not allowed to even move Trump to the right, raise concerns about his personnel and VP pick. Shut up. It's all that. If it's all that, then make it be all that and actually try to freaking win it for us. That's not winning. That's brand building. It's like Trump just congratulated. He put out a note congratulating Laura Ingram on the high ratings of his town hall that he had with her. Ratings don't win elections. See, this is what people don't understand. This is the moral hazard we face. We have a country of 330 million. You could create a very intense movement of support behind a brand of a person that is incapable of winning a national election, but is very strong with ratings and selling merchandise and a brand. And and, and that's the problem with all my colleagues. They don't need a strategy to win on policy and even elections. See, if I have a million subscribers, I could earn a killing off of that. But I can't win an election with that. You need 51% to win an election. Or whatever, a plurality if there's multiple candidates. But you get the point. Trump and the RNC now have a combined 39.2 million cash on hand. At this point in 2020, Trump and the RNC had 200 million cash on hand. Okay? That's like one-sixth of what they have. 60% of every dollar raised this past year has gone to pay his legal bills. It makes no sense. See, to me, I'm not so into this. I think it's actually the least important presidential election of our lifetime. I really do. It's the most important primaries in state legislatures of our lifetime. Most important legislative sessions. Most important budget fights if we actually would pick them. But if you're going to tell me that this is the end all, then you are complicit in obfuscating the primary, giving him a free pass that he never had to debate, so we never debated this problem. 
You can have the guy himself in handcuffs being the guy riding in on, on a white horse. And this is one of the reasons. Because he himself is bogged down. Daniel, that's not fair. Of course it's not fair. But are you trying to... Is this about the feelings? It's funny. They always hit me for being a purist and focused on principle. We have to be pragmatic and win. But they're the ones focused on fealty to one man where, where it's like, you're not doing his future and certainly our future any favors by taking the guy that's locked up with legal bills and trying to win an election when it's all run basically tactically on the ground now, counting mail-in ballots. That's what it's all about. That's where the money has to go. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars that's going to go to pay his legal bills rather than you know running a ballot harvesting operation. It makes no sense. Daniel, shut up. We have no choice. It's Trump or Biden. Yeah, I understand that. But, you know, you guys created that. So now go stewing that. It is your job to confront Trump's campaign with what is their plan to win. And then if you actually won, what is your plan to have a better personnel beginning right now with VP pick? You know, you're going to hear all this at CPAC. Trump, good, Biden, bad. Okay, but you can't influence that. You could influence Trump. Or can you? Or can you? But that's where we're at here. There is just so much to do. So many action items that we're not acting upon. We're going nowhere. In fact, we're going backwards on it. I don't understand how in front of our eyes, he could totally posit. See, see, here, here, here's where we're at. Here's the truth. When Trump was president, okay, I had no problem going on. I, I, these people actually invited me on their shows, to their credit, and we would explain concerns about policy and personnel choices throughout his presidency. Now, obviously, they would sugarcoat a little bit more than you would with a typical Republican. And it would always be like someone else's fault. So it's not Trump doing it. It's Kushner doing it. Fine. But the point is, at least they would raise the objection. But now, they don't even raise the objection. So in front of us, he could literally say, I'm picking Bruce Jenner. I'm picking Tim Scott as my VP. And he, he won't be hit on it. We need to end the boycott on Bud Light. Won't be hit on it. The vaccines are amazing. Won't, won't, won't be rebuked on it. All these endorsements won't be rebuked on it. There's something really wrong and indefensible there. See, when you say, shut up, you grab the steering wheel from us. We don't want the most proven, results-oriented, accomplished conservative of all time. We want this guy. So now you own him. You have an obligation to make that work. Both on the, just the structure of the campaign, ground game, and also on policy and personnel. That, that is your responsibility. I'm sorry, I don't have the inside track. Believe me, if I did, I'd be making calls every day. But I don't. You guys do, or claim to have that. 
I beg of you. If you care so passionately about this stuff, why aren't you laying down the marker on the budget fight, laying down a marker on the VP pick, joining me in focusing on these down-the-ballot primaries, joining me in focusing on you know, people like Henry McMaster of South Carolina and Governor Kristi Noem of South Dakota that are in good standing with MAGA and Trump but are screwing us on the issues. Where are you with that? And the answer is because we're MIA where it matters and all we do is meme, speak, grift, conference. We're at a situation now where yesterday in Wyoming, we had 28 Republicans in the Wyoming House voting to continue subsidizing castration care and 30 Republicans voting against getting rid of DEI in Wyoming. Such bedrock things. And and the reason you have that is because we don't have a movement. Again, where you have a movement, see, this is this is the good news. You get together and you focus, you defeat Liz Cheney by a 40-point margin. And, you know, in a rare exception, I, I noted it, it's mainly personal because of Ken Paxton's impeachment, but Trump is endorsing against incumbent rhinos, including the Speaker, in the Texas House. I bet you that will bear fruit. That's what a movement looks like. This is the discussion you're not going to hear at CPAC. And this is why we have our own CPAC every day, and this is why I don't go. It's also why the left doesn't have a CPAC. At heart, I think like a leftist, and that's what we need to do. Fight like a leftist. Meaning, actually demand results. We, we could say, oh, the border is bad, the vaccines are bad, but then when, when, when it comes time to actually do something about it, we often support people and ideas and strategies that negate those interests and ignore what will actually work. Well, folks, I'm just about losing my voice. Still, you know, have this cold and trying to kick. So sorry about that. Tomorrow we'll have a special guest on. Uh, send me your notes, your questions, concerns. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Follow me on Twitter at Arm Conservative. If you can, if you have not done so yet, give us a five-star rating with a comment on iTunes. Till tomorrow, Micah 6-8. God bless you all.